Uh, today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, and verse 13. I'm going to read verses 1 to 4 from the message, and verse 13 from the NIV, verse 1. So, my dear Christian friends, companions, in following this call to the heights, take a good, hard look at Jesus. He's the centerpiece of everything we believe, faithful in everything God gave him to do. Moses was also faithful, but Jesus gets more honor. A builder is more valuable than a building any day. Every house has a builder, but the builder behind them all is God. Moses did a good job in God's house, but it was all servant work, getting things ready for what was to come. Christ, as son, is in charge of the house. Verse 13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. This is the word of God. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Uh, unfortunately, I've uh, come down with COVID and can't join you in person this morning. But um, at the same time, I'm glad that I could join you virtually uh, and then have the weird... Uh, privilege of being able to watch my own sermon uh, with you this Sunday morning. So imagine you were part of a country where your economy was built on cheap labor. And this might not be hard for us to imagine, but let's imagine that when you were part of the country or system where you, your way of life was dependent on free labor, labor, like slave labor, labor. If you were someone who benefited off a system like this, it would seem preposterous to give up your way of living just because someone asked you to. And this was the situation in Egypt where Pharaoh is approached by Moses to let his people go. You know the story. Ten times Moses would approach Pharaoh and ask Pharaoh to let my people go. And in the story, there would be ten different plagues against the ten different gods of Egypt. And each time Moses would come to Pharaoh and ask him to let my people go and each time pharaoh would say no and the writer of exodus would comment that pharaoh's hardened that pharaoh hardened his heart now this is not the place to discuss in detail who hardened whose heart in terms of was it pharaoh or was it god but it looks like it was both and there are six instances where the writer says that Pharaoh hardened his heart or that Pharaoh's heart was hard. And only four times where it says God is the one who hardened Pharaoh's heart. In either case, there were ten times or ten opportunities where Pharaoh could have listened to God and what God wanted for the people of Israel. Yet, Pharaoh refused to listen until finally after the tenth plague, he gives, he gives in and, and sends the people of Israel off only to change his mind and come after them, hence the parting of the Red Sea. So what does this story have to do with our passage today? This morning, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 to chapter 4, verse 13. And in this section, one of the main points that the writer of Hebrews is making is that Jesus is greater than Moses. This was an important point to make for the writer or the preacher of Hebrews because of the prominence that Moses had in the faith of the Jewish people. Moses was considered the goat, 
the greatest of all time. Ben talked about how Jesus is the GOAT a few weeks ago, but Moses was considered the GOAT because he was considered the greatest prophet of all time and was the one through whom God used to create this new nation. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and the Torah and therefore is through whom their identity as the people of God was founded on. So here the preacher wants to help his listeners to understand that, you know this Moses you hold so highly in your faith? He is a great man and God did great things through him. But yet Jesus is more than just another great prophet or a better prophet. He is God's son. If Moses is a servant who built the house of God, Jesus is a son of God who is in charge of the house of God and who the house was even built for. And this is important because God isn't really doing something new in that with Jesus that God hadn't planned from the beginning of time. But rather, Jesus is the culmination and the intent of God's plan through Israel from the beginning. We do not throw away the Old Testament because we have Jesus now. But rather, the Old Testament and the story of Israel ultimately points to the Savior of the world in Jesus Christ. So when we say Jesus is greater than Moses, what we are saying is that Jesus is the fulfillment and the culmination of the works of God through the history of the people of Israel. Jesus is the real Moses, as, as it were, because what Moses did and accomplished were to point to the ultimate reality in the person of Jesus. Do you know what the number one cause of death in America is? It is heart disease. In Canada, it's cancer and then heart disease. Now, heart disease has, is a catch-all phrase for many different kind of uh, conditions. But one of the conditions of heart disease is the hardening of the heart. More specifically, the coronary artery and, the vas and what we call vascular disease. And those are due to hardening of the arter arteries, which is the most common kind of heart disease and the number one cause for heart attacks. Now the word heart in the Bible, in Hebrews, and in Hebrews, is not just the physical heart, but the seed of human will and desire. It includes emotions and passions, but it's more than that, and it points to our decision-making process and to the whole self. We also use heart to describe uh, what we feel and how we make decisions ourselves. We say things like, we are heartbroken. My heart wasn't in it. Follow your heart. Or from the bottom of my heart. Or I had a change of heart. So let me get to the heart of the matter in today's talk. We've seen that Jesus is the greater than is greater than Moses in what in that Moses accomplished. What Moses accomplished with the people of Israel is a reflection of and a symbol of, of who Jesus is. And in many ways the new Israel that includes us. So the writer of Hebrews, or the preacher, wants his listeners to learn from their past, from what happened with Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness, to now us who follow the real Moses in Jesus, and as his household, the church. Because of this, the preacher quotes from Psalm 95, verse 7 to 11, in our Hebrews chapter 3, 7 to 11. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestor tested, 
where your ancestors, sorry, tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. The Israelites were saved by God through Moses and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They got to a place where they were complaining and grumbling about the fact that they were not in Egypt anymore, where they had better food than what they were eating in the wilderness. The Israelites who saw the miracles of God in the ten plagues, the Israelites who experienced the parting of the Red Sea, the heavenly food called manna falling down from the sky, and quails that were given by God, the Israelites who were called out of Egypt and given this new identity as the people of God, who were now free to be a nation of their own and with God as their king, they were complaining and grumbling about the fact that they didn't have some leeks and onions and had gotten so used to God providing for them even miraculously that they seemed to dismiss all the miracles and the ways God provided for them. They would rather go back to slavery in Egypt than to be free with God in the wilderness. All the good old days. And I find as we get older, it's really easy for us to romanticize our past. All the good old days of flip phones and dial-up internet. All the good old days of 80s and 90s music. All the good old days of living in Korea. Well, there is a reason why we left. It wasn't all that good. We left home because there, there was a lot of issues. And the Israelites were grumbling and complaining to Moses and Aaron. And in the end, really complaining to God that he, they were freed and were miserable. This complaining and grumbling was described by the psalmist as the hardening of their hearts. Remember whose heart was hardened in the story of Exodus? It was Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the one who hardened his heart. But here we see the people of Israel also harden their heart against God. Do you remember how many times Pharaoh hardened his heart? Ten, ten times, right? Listen to this. Numbers fourteen twenty. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them, as you asked, uh, speaking to Moses. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised an oath to their ancestors. We saw the progression of Pharaoh's heart being hardened over time. Over ten different occasions, Pharaoh had the opportunity to listen to God, but instead he hardened his heart. Here we see in Numbers that the Israelites, like Pharaoh, tested God ten times. This is the hardening of the heart that both the writer of Psalm 95 and Hebrews 3 are referring to. Over and over again, they continued to test God that they did not, that this, that is that they didn't trust in who God was and His goodness and instead trusted in themselves or their version of God and hence making of the golden calf. Have you ever heard about the butterfly effect? It's a way to describe how small changes in the past can impact much bigger things in the future. For example, and where the name comes from, if a butterfly flaps its wings and disturbs the air in a certain space, 
and if a tornado starts a two uh, two weeks later, just that disturbance in the air by a butterfly will impact the direction of the tornado. And in our case, the hardening of the heart is more related than that in the sense that when we do not listen to God, and when we test Him or turn away from what God desires, when we sin and are not repentant, it is a step towards the hardening of our hearts. The more we harden our hearts, the more we stop hearing from God. The more we harden our hearts, the more we become deaf to the voice of God. This is why three times in the section of Hebrews that we're looking at today, there is a repetition of the phrase of hardening of hearts. Hebrews 3, 7-8 Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Hebrews 3.15 Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Hebrews 4.7 Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. I read a story about this woman at Walmart and she witnessed these two friends who paid for their products and, and got changed back. And they realized once they got past the cashier that the cashier gave them too much money back. And she overheard this conversation where one of the friends said, hey, shouldn't you give the money back? Because, you know, if at the end of the day her, her total is short, she'll get in trouble. And the other friend said, it's not my fault that she made a mistake and decided to keep the money. Have you ever had that kind of experience before yourself? I know I have in the past, and I've done the right thing, and I've also done the wrong, th the wrong thing. And when we do the wrong thing, and when we say, well, it's not my fault she made that mistake, what we are doing is that we are rationalizing uh, our decisions. We know our decision is wrong, but we rationalize it away for the desired outcome. And the more we do that, and the more we deceive ourselves, the more the action becomes less wrong, where to a point where we don't think is wrong at all. And this downward slope of deception is not lost on us, right? Like how many times do we rationalize our sin and make it seem it's not so bad? And the writer of Hebrews wants to warn us and for us to learn from Israel's mistakes. Just as the Israelites who followed their leader Moses, even after experiencing the deliverance of Exodus, wanted to go back to slavery when things got hard and therefore hardened their hearts like Pharaoh. So can we who follow a greater Moses, the real Moses in Jesus, who also delivered us from slavery, from our slavery to sin. When things get tough, we go right back to our sin. Because of their hardening of their hearts, they were not able to enter into the rest that was offered to them in Canaan. In the same way, the writer of Hebrews is warning us, lest they fall on deaf ears and hearts, so that we can journey through the when we do journey through the wilderness, trusting in Jesus who, who has freed us. Let us not harden our hearts because the promise of rest is available and offered to us. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. I don't know if you could see the slide where it says, Tomorrow, uh, in brackets down, a mystical land where 99% of all human productivity 
motivation and achievements is stored. Have you ever said this to yourself? I'll do it tomorrow. I do this with my workouts all the time or even eating better. I, can st I can't start today because it's the weekend. I'll start on Monday. I'll do it tomorrow because it's my birthday. It's Christmas. It's my friend's birthday or it's someone's birthday in some place of the world, right? And don't we do this with God? We say to God, oh yes, God, I heard from you, but I'll do it later. I'll listen to you tomorrow. I'll give you the offering when I make more money. I'll volunteer and help people once and once once my kids are older or when I retire. I'll do it tomorrow. The more we hear the voice of God and do not listen to Him, the more we become deaf to His voice where we may not even hear from Him anymore. The more we ignore God and put off God till tomorrow, we may come to realize that we are in fact not following God at all. Each time we say later, tomorrow, another time, we are hardening our hearts and further hardening our arteries until one day we realize that not only is our hearts hardened, so is the rest of our body and soul. What happens when all that we are is, is hardened so much we are left with an incurable heart? What does heart disease mean for our souls? Eric Fromm, uh, a social psychologist, writes that every act has the ability to harden or soften our hearts. Every evil act tends to harden it, and every good act tends to soften it. And the more the heart is hardened, the less freedom we have to change, and the more we are determined by our previous action of, of that evil decision. He says there comes a point of no return where our hearts have become so hardened and so deadened to the point of our own physical and spiritual destruction. This is why a rabbi named Shimon ben Lakish, commenting on the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, believed that God does not force human beings to act one way or another, but rather, God helps a person travel further down a path that he or she is already walking. So what is our response? How are we to enter into the rest of God as we seek Jesus and not harden our hearts? Hebrews chapter 3, 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's defeat, deceitfulness. Don't wait till tomorrow, but start today. The Christian life, that is, being a disciple of Jesus, is not a one-time decision. It is a daily, lifelong journey with and to Christ. And this is why the writer and or the preacher warns us to not turn away from the living God, but to seek Him every day. We are to encourage each other daily. That is, this, never, this journey is not on our own, but it is within community, so that our hearts can stay soft to the living God. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him, whom we must give account. The, the preacher makes it clear that the way in which our hearts are to stay soft is to let the Word of God be alive 
and active in our lives and our hearts. It has the ability to be like a double-edged sword to penetrate our hardened hearts and to heal us from our heart disease. And one of the primary ways we believe that God speaks to us is through the Bible. The Word of God here isn't just the Bible, though, although the Bible is one of the primary ways we believe that God speaks to us. The Word of God, rather, is the voice of God that is active through Scripture. We can read the Bible and know a lot about it, but may never actually hear the voice of God. I have this amazing ability to listen, or maybe I should say, I have the amazing ability to hear what Jen is saying to me without really listening to her. She will ask me sometimes, what was I just saying? Were you listening to me? And I have the, I have mastered this, this ability. This is a, a, a talent. I have the ability to recite back to her verbatim, word for word, what she has said to me. Even when I do this, though, she knows that I wasn't really listening to her. She'll say, yeah, you may be able to recite back what I said to you, but you weren't really, really listening to me. You, you heard what I said, but you aren't listening. And it's true, because I wasn't engaged in what she was saying. I wasn't really paying attention. In the same way, there's a difference between reading the Bible for information and knowledge or reading the Bible to hear from God. And one exercise that we encourage that's an ancient tradition that our church practices is called Lexio Divina. It is a slow reading or sacred reading of the Bible where we take time to listen to the voice of God. We're not listening to get, gain information, to, to learn a little bit more about morals, although those things can happen. But rather, we open up our hearts and our minds to hear what God may be saying to us personally. We are trying to listen to the voice of God. And wherever you are on your journey, whether you're a youth or you're an older adult, we want to encourage you to read the Bible. Get into God's Word, not so just to get information, but because God wants to speak to you. And God does talk to us. And we believe that. And we believe that through Scripture, he will, that we will hear from the voice of God. And, you know, you could do this in many ways. For young people, you know, there's an app for that. There's also an audiobook. Uh, you can listen to, to the Bible read to you uh, um, by, like, you know, uh, uh, someone that you, you really enjoy their voice to. There's also um, the old school way of just getting your own personal Bible. I find that when you buy a Bible for yourself and you go and pick it out yourself and then it becomes more personal, I find that that really helps in helping you read through Scripture. The other thing I think that's pretty cool that we're doing is throughout summer we're doing a, a, a group devotional online through the Bible app. And it's a great way to engage with Scripture but also to do that in community. So if you haven't, uh, check that out. We, we encourage you to do so. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Uh, your hearts. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what God may be saying to you this morning. What might he be calling you to? What might he be asking you to do or to deal with? Let me give you a few moments, uh, minutes to pray in silence. So what I'll do is I'll pray for us first and then 
Um, I'll give you a few minutes of silence to hear from God this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. You are the true Moses, that you are the one who rescued us, that saved us from our slavery to sin and to death and have given us freedom in you. So Jesus, I pray for all of us that you would soften our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, that whatever that might be holding us back from hearing from you, if there is just fear or, or feeling the, as though we don't have enough faith, I pray that you give us more faith and to trust that you are a good God who provides and who is with us. So come Holy Spirit right now and soften our hearts so that we may be able to hear from you this morning.